India, many voices. India is not one nation. Imagine as a nation state for sure, the very multitude of unique voices and situations and cultures and languages makes India impossible to categorize, classify or bind in the boundaries of simplistic definitions. Of course, India is imagined uniquely through economic, social, cultural, political and geographic lenses. But the diversity of the extent of imagination as well as the plurality in the individuals imagining it is breathtaking. This is India Booked, a podcast where we delve into the lives of Indians through castes, cultures, religions, groups, countercultures, genders, faiths, beliefs, laws. And we use the voices of its authors and literary works to bring it to life. Hello everyone, this is Ayushi Mona. I'm your host on India Booked, a podcast where we lean into the idea of India through its literature. Today I have with me Rajat Chaudhary. Rajat is a bilingual author. He's a translator and uh, most importantly for the purpose of today's discussion, a climate change activist. He's published novels, short story collections, translation and has edited a science fiction anthology. His most recent work of fiction, which is The Butterfly Effect, we are discussing today actually was listed by Book Riot as one of the 50 must-read eco-disasters in fiction and among 10 works of environmental literature from around the world. Rajat's also working on a very interesting video game project, which we'll be discussing uh, through the podcast today, that imagines alternative futures for our planet in the backdrop of climate change. If I'm not wrong, Rajat's based out of Calcutta, and a lot of his works also set or take off from there. Welcome to the show, Rajat. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Thank you, Ayushi. Thank you for having me on India Booked. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to, to our conversation. So Rajat, I want to begin at the beginning, which is the cover of the book and and the title of the book itself. Did the concept of building a book on the butterfly effect, you know, in and chaos theory come first? Or did the story sort of take shape first? And was it that you retrospectively thought that it aligned well with chaos theory? Yeah, actually, uh, the stories... Uh in my case, the stories usually come first. It might begin with an image. It might begin with a character. Uh, in this case, it was it was many things. Uh, I had been uh, working as an activist uh, for a long time on environment and climate change issues, and uh, so I had been thinking how to uh, gather all this together in fiction. Not only the, like the characters that I meet when I travel to villages or in other countries uh, to do activism or for advocacy, but also how to uh, put my learning into fiction. Because I had been writing fiction, a more literary fiction rather than environmental or eco-fiction. So that's how slowly the book came into shape. I've been working on climate change for quite some years. That's how I began. And then the characters fell into place. And quite later in the book, maybe uh, when I was writing, when I was in the middle of the book, it occurred to me that chaos theory and butterfly effect and all these things does fit into what I'm trying to plot here in a way. Very interesting. In fact, Rajin, I have to tell you uh, that you're a pioneer of climate fiction. I know Amitav Ghosh has written Gun Island and and, uh, spoken prominently about Sundarbans and and actually has a, a work on climate change. But really, there is no almost 
next to nothing in indian fiction or indian uh, uh, you know i i personally can't really say for vernacular fiction but in in general um what your work has done is is to sort of now start creating a genre as well because for the longest time climate change is is really relegated to um, articles in the newspaper right and and which is again mostly dismissed or or taken lightly or just spoken of at conventions and then we still obviously grapple with every single challenge that climate change presents so was it a very deliberate choice to make fiction the vehicle of this as opposed to you know write an alarmist work in in non fiction because we have a lot of that and then uh, a certain set of people read it um, and discuss it but but things really percolate better when it comes to fiction what was that uh, sort of at the back of your mind when you were writing this yeah absolutely uh, we connect better when we uh, convey an idea through fiction that's my firm belief and that's what uh, theorists theorists of climate fiction have been saying and here amitabh ghosh has been a big inspiration no doubt uh, not only his uh, gun island but his uh, other book the great derangement which talked mostly about you know culture and climate change and how the culture has been ignoring climate change because of several reasons like there's a problem with modernism and several other things but uh, in in the west in advanced countries people have been writing climate change and things are changing slowly actually in india also uh, there are a few writers who have been uh, addressing these issues uh, it's not always climate change some people have been writing about uh, water uh, and then uh, there have been uh, novels written about pollution but yeah climate change is also entering the the literary uh, sphere in india but it's very little two or three writers i can think of at the most so yeah i i had been thinking that uh, climate change uh, i i am an activist so i know how to write activist papers do research and stuff like that but that always doesn't convey to a wider audience and scientific papers are even more difficult to convey so i thought that enveloping these these ideas within a story would be a very good thing to do and that connects uh, very easily with people you know when i when i'm talking about climate change i do small classes and uh, lectures and workshops and things like that uh, i show these uh, students uh, three different framings of climate change one is the scientific framing i i pick up a line from a scientific paper on climate change then i pick up a religious framing of climate change which you know is a is a line from the pope's uh, letter Uh, the very famous letter the pope had written about climate change called lord that to see and then i pick up paragraph from a, a well known climate novel something like road or or barbara king solvers book or any of these and then i compare like how easily the 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 fictional depiction the the literary framing of climate change touches us at the deepest core of our heart so yeah that that was a big um, uh, thing for me and that's how i uh, went about writing climate fiction and of course amitav ghosh was an inspiration because of his great derangement that and that book non fiction and that's how it happened yeah <laughs> no but this is so interesting right in such a interesting way to introduce th- this to younger people right i mean when i was in school you know all we were asked to do was you know oh make um, a poster on not cutting trees or you know you would have a moral science uh, kind of class where or or a lecture and you'd be told that you know plastic is bad for you right and it was it was so ineffective because we were never told the why 
we were never told uh, the where, what, how, when. You were just given a dictate. Okay, chopping trees is bad. Plastic is bad. There's going to be an increase in the temperature of the world. And oh, you will see these very disassociated phenomena happening. But but no real impact of what climate change and 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 the kind of uh, you know post apocalyptic world that you've drawn up in the book um, what was ever really communicated. I I do presume that and I hope that it's different in schools today. Uh, and continues to get better and sharper with with changing times but it's such an interesting lens and i think the, the students who've been part of something like this are really lucky and i hope that it influences them to continue to think about this beyond you know the class i think that's also important yeah actually yeah. Uh, the literary framing should be introduced in, in in curricula of schools and colleges not only you know these textbooks about uh, environment or or a paper on environment but uh, climate fiction excerpts from climate fiction novels or or climate fiction stories indian or other otherwise uh, western stories these should be introduced into sc- in school curricula and college curricula of course because they touch us in a very different way and and in fact research is being done on this how climate fiction influences reader behavior reader perception about the problem there is very good research done by someone called schneider meyerson uh, he is an american researcher he has shown how uh, how climate change novels change perception of people and how they are very popular among millennials and several other things so yeah I, I think it's very important that uh, these things should be taken up in not we, we shouldn't only have textbooks but we should have uh, climate change stories excerpts of novels and things like that in the courses I think that's the first uh, recommendation really Rajat that I'm going to be taking from today's chat and and look it up um and i'm sure that's more to come so another question you know that of course as i told you right your book really opened my mind at least to climate fiction even though i i mean i think i i've read the road and i've read gun island say so i haven't read liz jensen etc and and i of course want to and hope to be able to read that soon enough as well but your book is biopunk and for those of you listening to the podcast who don't know it's a sub genre of science fiction that focuses on technology and and implications of biotechnology um and and synthetic biology which is which again segues into your book rajat because of the whole aspect around genetically modified crops why why this particular lens when you were writing this book or or was it or did it, did it fit into the narrative and of course uh, from from an a knowledge lens right one is, one is why did you choose to sort of go about it in terms of your narrative but really from a knowledge perspective um what does the ecosystem around genetically modified crops for a lay person who who's not very aware of this mean yeah uh, actually yeah this is a very uh, important question first of all genetically genetic modification of crops is uh, is dangerous and it's kind of uncharted territory and it's mostly being done by multinationals who are saying that these uh, modified uh, crops are are safe for human consumption but most of the studies that have been done on these crops after these crops have been produced like tomato uh, tomatoes uh, brinjals and several other stuff golden rice these studies have mostly been done on mice you know and their lifespan is you know 1 to 2 years never on humans so <laughs> it's not really comparable these studies are not very good studies so but these are still being pushed on the basis of something called equivalence like 
the, if the composition of the modified genetically modified tomato and the real tomato are more or less the same then uh, you can use it that's what the, what these people say but there is a lot of contraindications there is a lot of other research which shows that it is a really dangerous technology you know you can get anything from you know quick rapid aging to allergies to changes in organs several other things several other nasty things can happen to to us who consume it but uh, luckily in india we still don't have any genetically modified uh, at least not in the laws there is nothing uh, no genetically modified food product allowed there is cotton of course and uh, and a scare story from there is that the cotton the bt cotton the oil of that cotton has entered our edible oil through adulteration so, so that that thing has happened so all of this again from my activist days i had worked on genetic uh, gmos genetically modified organisms genetically modified objects whatever you call it i have worked on these issues and so i thought it would be a good idea to put it into a narrative because you know climate change is a very slow phenomenon storm can can have its dramatic moments but you cannot write a novel about a storm it's not very easy it you can write a short story but climate change otherwise it happens over many years and in different places slowly the climate changes the number of uh, the frequency of storms increase there are more and more wildfires species uh, go extinct very slowly so it's very difficult to tell all these in 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 a novel so my uh, the, my work around for this was to have something in the plot which moves very fast and have climate change in the backdrop or climate change related to that fast movement so that's where genetic engineering of food crops came into my story because that is something which can uh, affect a large number of people very quickly so very similar to the pandemic that we are in right now you know it spread so fast in a year you know all the every country is affected and millions have died so uh, a gm experiment gone wrong can move as fast as that and all of this again is connected to climate change so when writing climate change novels i have often thought about this one easy one uh, work around is to have a fast moving action in the middle related to something which is uh distantly related to climate change like gm and then there is this lise jensen's novel where she has used methane mining you know there are methane deposits under the ocean and mining of those is very dangerous because they can lead to uh, submarine landslides and other other stuff tsunamis and things like that uh, and it's also related to climate change so in her novel she had used a fast moving incident around methane mining a uh, deep sea methane mining to tell her story about climate change so in my case it was uh, gmos which was a fast moving uh, na uh, narrative device or a fast moving uh, plot device last fast moving incident what would you call it which was at the center of uh, the climate change story and it's very important you know uh, as i told you uh, gm crops are dangerous you uh, in in the midst of this pandemic our government has recently uh, allowed uh, field testing of G bt brinjal which is a, a genetically modified brinjal Uh, this is the first time that this has happened once this field testing is over if the results are good they will try to commercialize it so that that's not good there has been studies done by you know cse the very well known uh, center for science and environment the ngo in delhi two years back and they found that uh, children's food um, then uh, edible oil and several other food stuff imported into india are contaminated with gm uh, gm products and some of them have the have on the label that they are gm free <laughs> so it's it's dangerous all this is happening you cannot really stop it but yeah as activists we have to fight on we have to push on 
and because this these stories are related and, and this is pandemic is related to is has some interface with climate change climate change has in, interface with science so it's a way of telling my story to have this fast moving incident at, at its center i mean rajat all of this is so fascinating and so essential ha huh, for people to know and and of course most of us hardly know right or or hardly care because of uh, what so ever is is that we are consuming in in media or are are given sources of information and one of the to ask you right and is that the role of the state right uh, i mean you did of course mention the whole aspect of uh, cotton and brinjal but going forward right i think one of the major pieces with respect to governance and and politically also gm crops are going to i mean they i think the brinjal discussion did take up news uh, and print space but this is going to become a bigger and bigger issue every passing month year and then how does what how does the fact that there is actually no political discourse and in and i'm talking specifically to india on the repercussions of this right because because there is obviously there is a spectrum of issues right and genetically modified crops are literally at the bottom of it in terms of prioritization and it it always strikes me as funny that the thing that matter the most right for instance healthcare spending or something like you know uh gmo crops that impact the health and lives of people uh, get sidelined in terms of obviously whatever is most uh, catchy or or can be milked for the most attention how do you as an activist really and and especially again i'm i'm drawing this in context of your book right because there is a supreme ruler and and a totalitarian uh, and the full governance aspect around the book as well how did you sort of chart out this in your fiction and how do you see the political and the governance ecosystem playing out in the coming years especially with relation to india when it comes to genetically modified crops yes see there are two questions here one is uh, what is happening in the book in the book it's a, it's a lab where this test is being done uh, where these experiments are being done with gm crops and then it somehow is uh, taken to another country where there is an authoritarian rule so i always believe that dangerous technologies become even more dangerous when they fall in the hands of authority even a disease you know i like i like china and and the chinese people are china is a great country but you know if you have an authoritarian rule in a country it they will always try to hide something and whenever you try to hide something it slips away uh, unnoticed into the wider world and can affect the wider world so that is what happens in my book this technology is, is stolen and then other things happen i don't want to give out the plot uh, the climax and all yeah it, that's one of the things that i am always you know also trying to skirt around how do i not give away spoilers <laughs> yeah uh, dangerous technologies are become more dangerous in the hands of authoritarian uh, states or or even corporations uh, which don't have rules checks and balances then uh, the other thing is uh, how to uh, w- what is happening in india in india the discourse is around climate change and climate change food and all these things that's because we are a developing country and developing countries are more concerned about some different different issues like uh, health and not environment really health poverty and these are bigger issues and if we can uh, provide food for uh, for our people then uh, gm doesn't uh, gm doesn't carry with with politicians but this will change if good studies are published 
by NGOs or scientists that show direct linkages between the use of uh, GM food, consumption of GM food and, and the health of the population. That's one thing. There's another uh, logic used by corporations who purvey these GM products that GM products, GM, GM crops will feed the world in the future will take care of uh, food and uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's really not true because if we balance consumption across the world if overcomes consumption in the west decreases if we eat less meat because you know for farming meat farming you need a lot of land pasture land which can be used for cultivation of crops and there are several other things meat processing also has a linkage with climate change through all this so if consumption is balanced across the world if overconsumption in the west decreases in, in the advanced countries in the rich countries decreases then there will really be no foods there will, we don't need then and we don't need gm foods at all gm gm crops gm food products so th that is another kind of logic pervaded uh, by uh, by corporates who design gm uh, gm crops and their uh, hold on on Several governments is very strong. They have their lobbyists, they have their advertisers and things like that. But activists, activist groups are also trying. Uh, writers are writing about it. So let's see. Uh, and the linkage with climate change, if that can be heightened, then in, in the long run, uh, things can change for the better. But I'm not so sure. Climate change is uh, much more important uh, right now because, you know, many parts of India will be inundated. There will be food scarcities. So th these are much, much bigger issues uh, compared to GM. But if a link with the health can be made by activists, by scientists, if a clear link, it's not only about making the link. You have to also communicate it to the people that why this is dangerous then uh, politicians can uh, will be will get interested about it that's what i feel uh, no rajal i think thank you because you make such good points right one is of course the issue of justice and and i think um one of my favorite parts about the book and 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 this i'm i'm not saying in terms of the narrative which is of course a separate discussion but in terms of scope of your book right it takes place in the uk it takes place in calcutta it takes takes place in seoul right there is a developed world there's a developing world and i think it was so important to actually have um this kind of narrative right because it's it's not a it's not a country's issue it's not a continent's issue it's the world's issue i don't think any issue ever i mean even something like nuclear warfare has affected the lives of every single living being right so i think one of the most fascinating aspects for me for the book was this that it travels and straddles so many universes and and identities as well and and again i think that correlates so beautifully with what you just said about us as a developing nation and what our priorities and where they lie versus others and, and of course and and that's also the fulcrum of this whole developed versus developing world debate which comes up at, at climate change forums on uh, and, and on sustainable development the next question rather that i wanted to ask you right was about the characters in the book um, you have a detective you have a scientist you have an, an a very interesting array of characters right you start with someone uh, who I'll just call Captain Old uh, and, and not really give really spoilers again, just being very mindful of it. But between a scientist, a detective, there, there are all these characters. Where, where do these 
character spring from were you trying to make the metaphorical or did or was it again a very a decision led by the narrative yeah actually both uh, this detective character uh, uh, first of all uh, how do i research characters uh, i i know most of these people you know <laughs> like they are not real people but i have picked up bits and pieces from people i know from detectives from scientists and so on so that that's one part that's about the uh, construction of the novel how it was done but yeah the detective uh, is uh, he appeared in my books uh, in my in, in a bengali story that i did and I, i write in bengali also and then he came uh, then he was there in another book called hotel calcutta from there he came to came to butterfly effect and he is both metaphorical and real he is you know he is the binding logic of the book because the detective follows reason so there is a lot of unreason also in this world in around us and there is a magic in, in this book uh, in butterfly effect in in the final parts where we go to those mountains and there are strange stuff happening and the detective wants to wade through all these waters and so he is kind of you know representative of of reason and uh, and the story will tell us whether he he succeeds to make a reason out of whatever happened to him in the end and the end is very very different from what uh, how, how he begins so that's how the detective came to be and the scientist of course in many climate change novels you will find a scientist character because it becomes very important you you have to have your science right science fiction this is partly science fiction so uh, the the scientist character comes from there and it's based on uh, someone i had worked closely with when researching this novel a real uh, a geneticist friend and an environmentalist of course you know how he comes into the picture because it's a book about environment it's about climate change so you to to posit all those ideas all those clashing ideas about development versus environment about growth versus environment you need characters to work out those ideas through so that's how that environment uh, the environmentalist character comes in henry david of course it it his name is comes from henry david thoreau so anyway that's how it it happened so uh, rajat you know i have since you alluded to um, your other works as well right and and uh, of course i am so glad that you brought this whole point of scientific training while i think we've touched upon so many aspects of the book of um, climate change or speculative fiction um of research that goes into writing i was very very fascinated uh, i mean of course i while i i did call out a short bio at the beginning of the podcast right but it is very fascinating because you're you're of course an economist i think by education which you, which you keep saying i think in your other interviews also that you know um that this this economist to environmentalist segue happened the way you know politicians get drawn to part yeah exactly you, you know when you are doing all this you know growth theories of growth and how how, how can the world can be driven by oil for hundreds of years Uh, civilizations will be powered for oil all these these are kind of pipe dreams and when you are too much into these pipe dreams of economics you begin to think what lies beyond that and that is environmentalism that is how to be sustainable that is about thinking of other species around us and lawyers and politicians of course you know lawyers deal lawyers uh, deal with the laws that politicians make there is a very good connection and if you look if you take a, if you make a, a small research study if you design a study 
to check the backgrounds of politicians in our country you will find many of them are lawyers too so yeah there must be some connection there uh, with power so and yeah that's how uh, economic the training in economics uh, pushed me toward to towards this work around environment and then uh, on to fiction yeah yeah and and i think uh, uh, you started writing when you had a fall right so uh, that also i I find it so fascinating all of the serendipity in life. <laughs> How did you find that out? Did I mention it somewhere? Yeah, I maybe maybe. Yes, that was part of my research before speaking. <laughs> yeah, that that idea really yeah that that helped actually you know uh, I uh, because I was doing a heavy duty job and there was no time to write so uh, this this helped really I, I could uh, be at home and write for six months without any disturbance. that happens sometimes silver lining yeah i know um uh, you know uh, the world is always fascinated by sports persons and actors and artists right but i think uh, writers are one of the most interesting artists because of just the time that they spend right very very i mean your book is called the butterfly right but very much like that metamorphosis process right a book is cocooned for so long that i found that anecdote so interesting and i'm sorry if it's out of context but i just had to bring it up no no thank you yeah actually it's it's kind of of boring also sometimes you know for days on end you don't meet people unless you are doing a day job many writers do nowadays because writing always doesn't pay um, so uh, it 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 tends to be boring and you umberto eco has uh, written somewhere about it that like there are two type, kinds of writers one is who writes for days without meeting people they get, get cooped up in the library or study and then write on and there's another kind of writer who after finishing the day's writing they go out for a drink and meet people and party a bit so i think i am of the second second kind yeah so yeah i i i always keep in touch with people with friends and family and all because that is also part of the experience that adds to your experience i meet strange people i have very very interesting friends uh, in my city and elsewhere also so when i'm writing i'm not always cooped up in my study and only writing i'm also going out and kind of meeting people having a drink and so on that's that's actually lovely and i think the fascinating external world that you sort of carry a great pride for us as readers because of say the characters and and how they directly indirectly get drawn out in in the characters at least that you fleshed i mean you alluded to the genet trend so i just Father, I'll I'll say this. That's just my next question for you, right? Is um that you're working on a video game that's going to be out next year? Please tell us more about it because again, one of the most underexplored area I think for Indian authors and writers is to uh, tap into these roots which are very. common uh, globally right uh, which is you know this whole uh, merchandising route uh, under unless of course something is is like fantasy fiction or something uh, it really doesn't see the light of the day so is the video game related to your work as an activist or is it related to the butterfly effect how did the full project sort of uh, land into your lap yeah it is related to my fiction writing of course mm. and uh... this is uh, not a commercial uh, i don't know whether it will be marketed commercially but it is a video game being developed by a us university and several other organizations it's a worldwide international project video game is a very good teaching tool actually for climate change for environment because it gives several op- options and it's very 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 close to storytelling in a story in a printed book we have only one plot line and the video game gives you more than one plot line so when you are thinking of the future when 
when you're thinking of climate change, there could be several uh, things that can happen depending on whether uh, the world leaders listen to Greta Thunberg or not, whether we move away from coal, whether we exploit more oil or or whether there is a new discovery like artificial photosynthesis, if artificial photosynthesis becomes uh, very efficient, then the world will move, move in a certain direction. Otherwise, it will move in a, in a different direction, climate change-wise, and societies also will move in different directions. Then there is this rise of authoritarianism versus liberalism. So this video game, you know, brings all this together. In the research and academic sphere also, a lot of work uh, related to climate change is on these things. It's called uh, socio-economic pathways, shared socio-economic pathways, like where the world might go, where the world might be headed, whether there will be rising nationalism and more emissions, whether there will be a more use of coal, whether we'll slowly move towards the green economy. There are four or five kinds of pathways that have already been developed by scientists. And the video game explores some of these, and I, and I am doing the narratives, you know, uh, uh, say uh, things like what will be a restaurant review in uh, 2090 of a submerged uh, Washington. In a submerged Washington, there is a, just one Ethiopian restaurant that's still uh, operating. And so uh, uh, there's this review of this that I have written and ma many other things. That's just an example. I'm doing the narrative uh, background of part of this game. There are two or three more colleagues with me, uh, writer yeah and it's very interesting as a teaching tool i think and when you finish the game you get if you, if you win points you can donate to a climate organization and things like that 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 is also there and we need more of these actually you know the video game as a teaching tool on climate change or environment is very popular in, in the west in japan and other countries but in india it's just beginning to happen i haven't heard of any other similar project here though my project is also you know it's an international project it's not an indian project but i hope there will be more of these because you know millennials and kids they are more hooked to games and if games can uh, pass on an important message then nothing like it so i hope that developers will take this up uh, video game designers will take this up that's really cool. Um, so, Rajat, uh, now I, uh, of course, um, your book, I think I've read a lot of reviews comparing it to Cloud Atlas. And uh, that's largely because of the structure of the narrative, right? But are there, but but you've also, I mean, written Calcutta Nights. Uh, actually, you've translated Calcutta Nights and you've written Hotel Calcutta. And um, you've also worked on... Uh, an edited anthology of speculative fiction, right? And rarely is there a writer who's a novelist, a translator, writes short-form non-fiction, writes um, such expansive imaginative fiction as the butterfly effect is, uh, edits anthologies. So how do you as a writer, of course, I mean, all of this, these things have different timelines. Really, how... Do you, in your repertoire, manage all of this? What really hooks you into picking up projects? I think one interesting thing that I really saw was that even like in, in Amber Dust, right? That That's a cross-cultural novel. Um, and, and there is... But it's, it's also backed by violence and, and different aspects like that. So none of your books are just stories for the sake of stories, right? They're backed by very, perhaps slightly complex narratives. I wouldn't call them very complex as a reader, but it might be slightly, I don't know, difficult for some, for say amateur readers, let's just put it like that. So what really has been your journey in writing or editing or translating these 
works and and how do you handle uh, the kind of research which goes into all these cross cultural themes into editing and and really uh, the kind of rigor that that really is needed to bring so much different work alive i must say yeah uh, the research you know the most of it is because of the, of the activist background and a lot of travel that i have been doing i have done in the past and still doing uh, now and meeting uh, various kinds of people and then reading about various issues and stuff and uh, reading on various themes uh, i have a scientific uh, um, there are uh, technocrats in my family scientists and technocrats so uh, the the science part of my uh, of my writing the interest in science that you will note in some of my books like butterfly effect uh, partly in uh, hotel calcutta that comes from i think the, the the family background people people have been talking about science a lot in my family science and engineering and stuff like that beyond that uh, part of it is bad planning you know poor planning like doing so many things together and not really sure which is going where but yeah i always wanted to if you are talking of translation i always thought that bengali literature has a lot of things that needs to be translated just like tamil or marathi india is such a rich uh, land for literature you know all these languages and each language has such a rich literary tradition so i thought uh, i have been reading bengali books uh, as much as english books right from school days so i thought that some of these that haven't been translated should be uh, opened up to a wider audience that's how i did hotel uh, calcutta nights uh, this uh, memoir of a uh, famous bengali writer hemendra kumar rai about his nocturnal wanderings it's a very interesting fascinating book and uh, recently i just uh, finished uh, an anthology of bengali poetry <laughs> of 10 poets from india and bangladesh so th- that's how the translation happened like i want i wanted to uh, open up these voices convey these voices through a language uh, which uh, more people use in our country or more people more readers uh, will understand so that's how the the translation part happened and science fiction you know my speculative fiction uh, anthology and butterfly effect these kind of tie in together because butterfly effect is also a, a speculative novel in a way speculative is you know uh, everyone knows what speculative is like what if the world uh, became like this what if things were slightly different and that's how i i started working on on the anthology of uh, speculative fiction and asian voices are not very uh, a kind of suppressed in 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 world uh, speculative fiction writing in international science fiction writing though it's changing now so it was very important to do a book asian voices could be uh, projected in the sphere of science fiction that's how that uh, other book happened and also i'm working on something very interesting this is another anthology which i'm working with a japanese and an american group a collection of short stories from asia pacific and it's about solar punk you know everything is connected actually in my work solar punk you know it's it's like it's the future of climate it could be one of the futures of climate change either it could go into dystopia everything could be destroyed or there would be flood scarcities and things like that but the solar punk futures they believe that people will change uh, human beings will come together communities will grow stronger and they will build a better world mostly driven by solar power and less consumption inconspicuous consumption so this uh, this book will be out next month i think in january there are 15 stories from all over asia pacific from japan to india two very good indian uh, colleagues are and it's about uh, solar punk and multi species cities multi species cities are where we also respect all the other beings that uh, share our cities with us and it's, it's that's how it all connects together you know climate change solar punk and science fiction 
though there are bigger debates whether climate fiction is science fiction that's a different discussion we can uh, continue with that someday but yeah that's how most of my work now connects together or hangs together wow uh, you know have uh, been making notes through this conversation and i have a lot of post reading to do and i think i think the best podcast episodes for me really are uh, the ones where i have to go back and, and keep continuing to learn and and i am so thankful uh, for uh, the fact that you you bought this up i'm definitely going to look up this as well rajat i have a question rajat which is how uh, i mean uh, i have spent a lot of time browsing uh, uh, places you've already written at and in your past work of course prior to chatting with you and how is it uh, that uh, that you are still so i would say unknown in the popular uh, circle outside <laughs> i'm sorry i think this is I, this is not uh, uh, i think it's slightly out of line but what what i really mean to say is that i think your work should be read by a lot more people than it's currently read and and i think part of it might be and i'm just making a very um, a presumption which you you please correct me on is that you enjoy the process of writing and meeting and learning so much more than the process of marketing and pr <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah thank you but yeah actually uh, it's very difficult uh, i am kind of reclusive though i have friends but these are you know these are they have no connection with the literary sphere most of them are the, from the from uh, a, a person who drives a truck you know <laughs> from there to to a scientist but uh, literary friend writer friend very few and uh, i am kind of uh, a bit uh, introvert which you can understand from uh, from this conversation maybe and so that's that's one of the reasons why uh, i'm a little shy of marketing the rest of it is of course on you and our publisher and all the good podcasters and uh, and the magazines which uh, which can uh, publish my work which can take my interviews but aren't <laughs> why i don't know why so yeah that's kind of that might be the reason and and also uh, i'm not very sure uh, actually it's a very good question climate fiction i i i started writing climate fiction butterfly effect before that it was a different uh, different book it was about calcutta short stories about calcutta that was quite popular but uh, you know the digital sphere the 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 importance of the digital sphere has increased in the last 4 5 years you know instagram and podcasting and things like that uh, marketing was very different 5 years ago when calcutta uh, my other book the, the short story collection was published maybe things will change now that's why you you might be interviewing me and i'm hoping that after this more podcasters will <laughs> come and ask me to tell my story who knows i i really hope so and i i hope a lot more people read the butterfly effect it is definitely um one of uh, the most interesting books and i'm just going with interesting um instead of you know using complex and uh, uh, magical and all of that and i think it's a very interesting book i think it's a, it's obviously obviously a, a very topical book and um, i wish uh, that more people read it and if you're listening to this podcast i'm not saying this because i'm talking to rajat but i'm saying that um, you should pick up the butterfly effect it's available at amazon it's available at flipkart it's available at independent bookstores but maybe just for the purpose of enhancing your own knowledge about what's happening to the climate right you should uh, uh, check out rajat's twitter account he shares a, a lot of material 
from time to time right he also writes an article in in the new indian express um and and learn more about climate change while you're reading this book because um uh you know as readers we all have preferences oh i like fiction and oh i like non fiction but this is one of those rare books that blends the two so effortlessly does it in a very captivating literary manner and and with complex characters and the most lustrous language uh, that i've read uh, of late uh, so raja thank you so much thank you thank you thank you ayushi really enjoyed this conversation with you thank you so much uh, to all of you who are listening in um, do uh, tune in uh, to india booked every saturday we release a new episode um, hope you enjoyed this conversation and do not forget um, that while this conversation was just for a, a few minutes the effect and impact of climate change on all of us are going to last for a lot lot longer than that so do um, do check out the book do learn more about the subject and keep yourselves updated thank you and have a great day do not forget to tune into us on spotify google podcast apple podcast gana and hd smartcast stay updated with all the episodes of india booked on instagram and twitter check out india booked podcast do remember that india booked drops every week on a saturday at 10 am in the morning make sure that you do not forget to listen to the variety of shows that we have that talk about the length and breadth of things that india consists of